Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, why have the Braves turned this thing around on their six-game winning streak? Who has the most to prove for the Atlanta Falcons this season? And this Deshaun Watson situation is out of control. We're going to talk about all of that today. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. We welcome you into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com. Find our page in the search browser, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Subscribe. Leave us a comment if you would, please. We're also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download us today. You can find us on Spotify, Odyssey, all of your favorite platforms. Give us a five-star review. And, of course, you can follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So, The Atlanta Braves are in the midst of a six-game winning streak, and they took care of business last night. And, you know, obviously, we expected this to happen with the Atlanta Braves. We talked a lot about the fact that this was going to be a stretch of time for the Atlanta Braves to get things right, to, to play all of the bad teams that are out there in Major League Baseball and find a way to get things done. So why are the Braves in the position that they're in? going to give you a couple of numbers here about what the Braves have done of late. The biggest thing is we've talked about the idea of hitting with runners in scoring position, right? The Braves coming into this six game winning streak. So before the six game winning streak started, they had been hitting 231 with runners in scoring position, 231 in this six game winning streak. The Braves are 21 for 66. That's a 318 average. So they are 87 points better with runners in scoring position over this last six games than they were before that. Now, look, they've had a couple of struggles here and there. They've had a one for seven mixed into all of that. They've had an 0 for three mixed into all of that. They were four for 14 um, last night with it. So it's not like that they've fixed this thing completely, but 318 versus 231 is a drastic difference, obviously, in a short amount of time. And capitalizing on bad pitching and mistakes and things like that has been one of the real keys as to why the Braves have turned this thing around. Look, the pitching has been consistent. They're consistently getting some good starting pitching. Kyle Wright was outstanding last night. After the first three hitters, he went, you know, basically eight innings, you know, of shutout baseball. It was tremendous last night. Their bullpen has had some hiccups here and there, but by and large, their bullpen has gotten things mostly done. Yeah, Jansen had a few blown saves and things like that. Guess what? Very few closers are Dennis Eckersley in 1990, you know, that are 46 of 47 in saves. Rarely do you get those kinds of performances. Guys are going to go up and down a bit. You're going to have a hiccup here and a hiccup there, okay? Will Smith has had a couple of hiccups, but by and large, they're starting pitching their bullpen has been fine, and they've gotten contributions from some other guys. But we have talked a lot about the fact that their middle of the lineup hasn't produced when they needed it. Ozzy, or sorry, uh, Ronnie and Dansby have done a good job of getting on base at the top of the order, even Michael Harris to some degree at the bottom of the order. But your middle tier guys 
the heart and soul of your lineup, the Olsons, the Rileys, the Ozunas, the Albies, the Duvalls, the Darnos. Those guys haven't been good enough when those guys are standing at second and third base. And so a simple little thing like that can lead to all of a sudden opening up the floodgates as to why your offense is better. And we saw plenty of that in Colorado. Look, say what you will last night. I understand last night you had three solo home runs, right? And again, as we talked about, they they were not very good with, with runners in scoring position. Last night. I think it was 0 for 3 last night with runners in scoring position. So they haven't been, you know, perfect. But the fact that in this six-game winning streak, you've been 87 points better, that's a huge difference in a very short amount of time. Now, the other part of this is also very simple, and that is Ronnie is the man, and he stirs the drink. In the last five games, he didn't play in the game that they won in Arizona when that the streak started out there. But in the last five games, the four in Colorado last night, Ronnie is 10 for 22. That's a 455 average with a 480 on base percentage, a 909 slugging, and a 1.389 OPS. And guess what the Braves are? 5-0. and He's the guy that stirs the drink. This year, the Braves, when Ronnie plays, they are 16 and 11. When he doesn't, they're 13 and 16. And this is what we talk about, about your star players and your elite players, whether it's the Falcons, the Braves, the Hawks, whatever, your stars have to be stars and your stars have to play. And when Ronnie's not on the field, it changes the complete direction of what this team is. It's not coincidence. Go back to last year. I'll point you to last year and I'll show you and I'll show you exactly the games where once Freddie Freeman got hot and started hitting like Freddie Freeman, if you look, I want to say it was through 42 games and I'm just going quickly, you know, off the top of my head, but like through 42 games, they were four or five games under 500 last year. Freddie was literally hitting about 230 something. Okay. After that, they went 69 and 49. They were 20 games above 500 and Freddie hit like 340 the rest of the way. Those things are not coincidence. It's not coincidence in baseball when your best player is on the field and doing the things that he does. And we've spent a lot of time talking about Ronnie, just the way he disrupts a game. His power at the top of the lineup can change the dynamic of the game. His two home runs were the difference in that game last night. So when your offense is struggling, he finds a way to be able to drive into it. Even if he has to knock himself in, he's finding a way to produce runs. But when he does get on base, he turns a single into a double because he most likely will steal or you know that if you hit a ball in the gap, say you hit a double in the gap with Ronnie on first base, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to score. So he puts so much pressure on the defense. He changes up the dynamic of your offense that it's not coincidence that the Braves are five games above 500 when he plays. And that's why we talked about a week or two ago, whatever it was, is that whatever you have to do to put his bat in the lineup. And Snicker said yesterday that, he said in, in his pregame press conference, look, we're having to evaluate Ronnie day by day. It's a day by day thing right now as to see he didn't play a lot of uh, right field over the weekend and things like, you know, but he played right field last night and they'll spot start him as they need to. And I'm dead serious when I say that 
if you have to DH him a ton, and that means you're stuck with Ozuna in left or whatever, then you DH him. He is too valuable to this team. And the results are there. The proof is in the pudding, if you will. It's not, again, coincidence. Ronnie hitting 455 over the last five games, and the Braves are 5-0 and and finding his power stroke. You know, in that five-game set, he's got three homers in that five-game set. So them hitting with runners in scoring position has been the biggest dynamic, but just Ronnie on the field changes the complexion and it puts so much pressure on a pitching staff on a defense on everything out there that when he's going right this Braves offense clicks no doubt about it and by the way Braves are also seven and three with Michael Harris playing just saying they're seven and three with Michael Harris playing there is something to have guys that can play defense and put pressure on staffs and other defenses out there all right when we get back who has to improve the most for the Atlanta Falcons? Who is most important for the Falcons to try to improve and get better this year if they're going to start to turn some things around? We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put our page into your browser, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Find us there. Subscribe. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. We're also free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there and follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Found an article talking about ranking the seven Falcons with the most to prove in 2020. This from Falcons Wire, which is the Falcons page on USA Today, part of the USA Today network. And the Falcons Wire is, is kind of their insider page and all that kind of stuff. And it got me to thinking about who needs to improve the most for the Atlanta Falcons this year. Where do they need the most improvement? Now, look, there are several candidates. You know, they need their rookies. They need this. They need that. But when I look at it, for me personally, I think Matt Hennessy has to be the guy that, that improves the most. So we've talked a lot about the idea of how bad their interior offensive line is. And we broke down a couple of weeks ago the rankings in as far as pass protection goes, where you had three of the nine worst offensive linemen, right? You had out of 160 starting offensive linemen, uh, McGarry was 152. Hennessy was 155 and Mayfield was 160. Okay. I've said many times before that you can't put two bad offensive linemen side by side with one another and not give them help. In the NFL, you can get away with one bad offensive lineman, but if you put two guys who are not very good and stand them side by side, it will turn into a disaster. And that's what happened with the Atlanta Falcons last year, okay? It's not Mayfield or Hennessy just by themselves. It's the combination of putting those two guys together that led to disastrous results. You have to have your center stabilize your line. You know, remember, the Falcons started Chris Chester at left guard in their Super Bowl run. Now, what's Chris Chester most famous for? Exactly. I, I don't know either. So you can get away, let's say Mayfield, and again, I know oh, Mayfield will improve. Okay, cool. So he won't be the worst offensive lineman in the league. That's, that's good to know. He won't give up the most sacks of any interior offensive lineman, top 10 in penalties, lowest grade. Okay, I, I, great. Okay, that aside, 
your center position is such a key. Think back to the Super Bowl year and the divisional playoff round for the Falcons the year after that. You know, remember in the year, in, in 20, I guess it would be 14, um, when James Stone and Mike Person were playing center for the Atlanta Falcons. And those two guys literally, and I mean literally, couldn't snap the football. Person at times would bounce a shotgun snap off the turf. That's how bad things were. Matt Ryan had to be Ozzie Smith on the turf and get his baseball mitt out and catch the snap off the ground first before he could even gather his wits and read the defense and make a throw or whatever like that. It was a disaster. Now, Hennessy may not be that bad. Um, you know, Drew Dahlman couldn't snap the football when he got a chance last year. But if Hennessy is going to be the starting center, and I think he's going to win the job, to be honest with you, I know that the Falcons, this this regime did not draft Hennessy. They have nothing tied into him. But I'll be honest with you, Drew Dahlman profiles the same, and I don't even know if he's as good, and he was a draft pick in a round later than what Hennessy is. And at least Hennessy has some experience. But if the Falcons offensive line is going to get to some competent status, Hennessy has to be the guy. You can't be bad at center in the NFL. And you look at when they had James Stone and Mike Person, and then they brought Alex Mack in that following year, and he takes over that position for the Falcons. Not saying that he's the reason that they went to the Super Bowl, but him anchoring that offensive line with Jake on the left side, with uh, Ryan Schrader on the right side, and you had Chris Chester, and you had Andy Levitre. Andy Levitre was at least competent. They had traded for him. Remember that they picked him up right before the start of the season. I want to say it was during training camp that they that they traded for Levitre and brought him in. But having Alex Mack and that stable force in the middle allowed you to play with Levitre, who's okay, and Chris Chester, who was probably below average. But having that anchor in the middle made those guys look better than probably what they were. Chris Chester could be hidden because I had Jake Matthews and I had Alex Mack that could help him out. It's the same thing with this group. I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination, Matt Hennessy is about to become Alex Mack or Jim Otto or Mike Webster or any of the great centers in the history of the league. <coughs> I'm not expecting that, <coughs> but if this Falcons offensive line is going to start to turn some things around, then Hennessy has to lead that charge. I don't expect much at this point out of Caleb McGarry. I don't think Caleb McGarry is going to be a guy, <coughs> excuse me, who's going to be around with this team after this year. So McGarry is sort of what he is at this point. I think he's in limbo. I think he's the most in danger of losing his job on the starting offensive line. But Hennessy is the key to getting this thing fixed. If you want to at least be competent and help your quarterback out, you've got to be good in the middle. You know, in baseball, we talk all the time about, you know, you want to be really good defensively up the middle. Catcher, second, short, center field. That's an old baseball axiom is be good up the middle. Be good offensively and defensively up the middle if you can, especially defensively. That's the key areas. You want to be good at your center position. Now, 
I don't know what to expect from Hennessy. I don't know what a jump and a leap forward means for Matt Hennessy. But if he can get me to at least average or slightly above, then I think you can get away with Mayfield and McGarry. At least you've got Lindstrom standing beside you that he can sort of help McGarry navigate and get through some stuff. And between Jake Matthews and Matt Hennessy, if they can navigate their way through Jalen Mayfield, if he is the left guard, I might not, I might not be surprised at all if Jalen Mayfield ends up kicking back out to right tackle and they find, you know, whether it's a Fetty or Wilkinson or one of those guys they brought in to play left guard. But Hennessy's got to figure some things out. And he's got to be the guy. Unless you're telling me that this team is going to go out and look, We've talked about they have some cap space available. They have around $10 million or so that they could play with. You hold back about $3 million. Got about $13 million in cap space. Hold back about $3 million as an emergency fund. You get in the season and somebody gets hurt or whatever, like you have some money available. But if you've got about $10 million, you can find yourself a veteran. You know, you can watch the waiver wire and see who's going to get cut, you know, in these June 1st cuts, heading to training camp, veteran that you didn't expect, or whatever like that. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. But you can't be bad at center in the NFL. You can't be incompetent at center in this league because that's the key to a rush, right? All quarterbacks, all I don't care how mobile, how fast, whatever. If your rush is coming up the middle and you collapse the middle of your offensive line, your quarterback's done. As long as those guys have any sort of contain whatsoever on the outside if you collapse the middle your quarterback's toast and and your quarterback is not going to be able to just run his way out of a collapsed interior pocket and the nfl no matter what you think is still a game of your quarterback has to navigate the pocket step up and push the ball downfield the nfl does not run around for your life on the outside and make plays the NFL offensive game successfully done is in the pocket, moving around, and you push the ball upfield, and your quarterback delivers it downfield to guys. That's the passing game in the NFL. That's how the successful teams do it. Successful teams don't run around for their life and, and collapse the interior of their offensive line. So, you know, I saw Drake London, Ebikati, all the McGarry, all these guys. To me, though, when it comes to who has to improve the most for the Falcons, it starts with Matt Hennessy at center. All right, when we come back, this Deshaun Watson situation is totally out of control. And can the league even fix it? We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, search us out. Hit the subscribe button on our page there, leave us a comment. Find us free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review and follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. The Deshaun watching situation is out of control. Yesterday, we got a New York Times report talking about how Deshaun Watson had booked massage appointments with 66 different women, a 17-month period from the fall of 2019 to the spring of 2021. Now, even worse than that, and this is the part that really just blew my mind, is that 
the Houston Texans, the team that he was playing with. And he was given, he was given hotel rooms and non-disclosure agreements from the Texans to engage in behavior like this. Now, look, I don't want to hear about innocence, guilty. I don't want to hear about any of that stuff. Okay. This situation has gone way off the rails. 66 women, the Texans are giving him hotels and setting him up with it. And they're giving him non-disclosure agreements. By the way, where do the Texans get just random non-disclosure agreements? Did, did they just have, have like a file in there? Like a guy just goes into a filing cabinet and says, oh yeah, here's all these NDAs that we all printed up. These, wait, this one is for prostitutes. This one is for masseuses. This one is for gamblers. Here, just, you know, use, here's the one for masseuses. Just use that and have them sign off on all this. This is ridiculous. And, and right now, the league is out of control with the things that are going on. You know, I've said for years on my radio show, I I grew up watching the Browns and rooting for the Browns. I'm from Northeast Ohio and this, that, and the other. I've got some understanding and insight about the Browns, okay? I've said for years on my radio show, I know Jimmy Haslam is a dirtbag, the owner of the Browns. I know Jimmy Haslam's a dirtbag. You know, you don't have the FBI coming in to look at your books and your company, you know, Jimmy Haslam was the owner of Pilot, the gas stations, bankrupted them, was looked in by the FBI because of unethical behavior to customers and things like that. You don't have that happen if you're not a lowlife. So I know he's a lowlife. I know Daniel Snyder's a lowlife and all the things that have gone on in Washington. I believe all the stories. I don't think you you couldn't make up a story of the coach stooping a secretary that was stooping a player and not playing. You can't make that up. That's penthouse forum. And now you have the Texans handing out non-disclosure agreements like they went to officeworks.com and just print off random things, give it to Deshaun, and then set them up with hotel rooms with 66 women. Now, Let's cut through the fog and the nonsense of all of this, okay? This is not about Deshaun Watson and his physical health and needing massage and recouping from injury. That's none of this, okay? You can miss me with that whole discussion about any of that and putting that goofball spin on this stuff. This is about... Deshaun Watson and his sexual proclivities and all this kind of behavior. Okay. That's where this starts and ends. I don't care if he went to massage therapists. I don't care if he'd have gone to Vegas and found hookers. I don't care if he'd have gone in some back alleyway. I don't care. That's what this is. And the Texans fed into this behavior. So what's the NFL going to do? If you're going to suspend Deshaun Watson six games a year, people are like, oh, well, they got to kick him out of the league. Okay, you're going to kick the Texans out of the league for, for fostering this behavior, for allowing this and contributing to this? And I don't want to hear about the NFL is going to give the Texans a $50,000 fine and, and say, hey, you guys, don't do that stuff again. 
you find them million because again, fifty thousand uh, dollars. I I know, I know, I know. The NFL uses it for charity. Okay, they. they I don't want to hear all that. That there, if you're not going to find them millions of dollars and start taking away draft picks and cripple. I don't know what the death penalty is in the NFL, but there are some franchises teetering on needing the death penalty in the NFL. Like SMU back in the eighties got the death penalty from the NCAA. There are NFL franchises teetering on the death penalty. And the Texans fed into this. They helped this happen. They allowed this behavior and, and they promoted this behavior for him. And so you can say whatever you want about Deshaun Watson. He's a dirtbag. He's a low life. He's a great guy. He's the father of the year. He's this, he's whatever you want to say. I don't really care. But you can't overlook what the Texans were mixing themselves up in. And this behavior had nothing to do with, oh, physical rehab and, and you know, the strain of a football season and all this kind of stuff. When you're getting into pornographic yoga positions, and let's face it, I've seen enough adult movies in my life to know when a guy's in that kind of position, what he's looking for. Let's, let's be adults and cut through the fog of all of this. This is ridiculous. And this league is running amok. And you had a low-life owner in Jimmy Haslam give away the entire farm, give him $230 million guaranteed, rig his contract for this year, rig his contract for this year so that if he does get suspended, he's only losing money off of a million-dollar base salary. And by the way, why am I singling out Jimmy Haslam in that and not the GM? Because you don't even begin to hand out that kind of money and do those kinds of things unless the owner says, go for it. And I'm immensely disappointed in the Atlanta Falcons that they decided that they were going to get themselves mixed up in Deshaun Watson. That is a black eye on the Falcons franchise as well. The fact that they wanted to go after a guy. And let me tell you, let me assure you, every single solitary team around the league knows what was going on, knows the Deshaun Watson story, and they have all the facts of it. You don't get into any sort of bed or marriage with Deshaun Watson in the Texans if you don't have all of the poker chips on the table in front of you to see and flip your cards over and show everybody your hand. The NFL has run amok and I'm going to be fascinated to see what's the league going to do about it. When is the league going to clamp down on some of these franchises and say enough is enough as we put out little PR videos of, oh, look at all the good work the NFL does. Horse crap. Horse crap. Thanks for listening to uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here today. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to our page there. Thanks for making us your first listen. Don't forget to make A to Z with Mark Zeno your second listen every day as Mark is back on Atlanta Airwaves and he's making his opinions known, opinions you may not like, but you certainly have to listen to him. That is free and available on our YouTube page, Locked On Sports Atlanta, also on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Find us there. Leave us a five-star review. Follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked On Sports Atlanta.